Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And this week, we're going to talk a little bit about special education. We're going to talk a little bit about SRS, one of the support systems for uh, a lot of the information that uh, is utilized by educators across the state in support of special education, amongst other things. And so I'm really grateful to Michaela Laborde of ESU3 and Stuart Clark of ESU1 for joining me today for this conversation. And so to begin with, I'm going to give them a chance to introduce themselves uh, before we get into a conversation about those two aspects of support that our ESU network provides. And so, Michaela, uh, can you give us your backstory in education? Yeah, I'd love to, Andrew. Thanks for having us. I always enjoy the opportunities I get to collaborate with you. So this is fabulous. So as you mentioned, I'm Michaela Laborde. I happen to be uh, here at ESU3 as the Director of Student Services. I'm just finishing up my fourth year. And so this is definitely the dream job I never knew I always wanted. I love it here at ESU3 and just am really just loving this summer. Things are going great. So with that being said, you know, my background is as a special education teacher. I was a teacher at both the middle school and the high school level. So kind of secondary is where my experience lies. And then I've done a ton of consultation and program specialist type roles both in the Southern California area, which is where I started my career. And then I've worked back here in the Omaha metro area for the last 12 years. So behavior consultant for Miller Public Schools. And then prior to coming here, I was in Papillion La Vista as a secondary special education supervisor as well. So this is definitely my, you know, I'm having a great time. I love this role and I'm happy to be here with you today. You know, one of the reasons I am here is because I, am on the SRS advisory committee as the region two rep. And so that's one of the reasons I'm here to talk about SRS and looking forward to doing that with Stuart. Yeah. I really appreciate the fact that, so Michaela's just down the hall. And so we do end up chatting back and forth off and on. And so learning about this work that she's been a part of has been exciting and something we wanted to make sure that we communicate with others and share out. And so Stuart, would you give us your introduction? And then we will talk a little bit about SRS. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. And it's uh, awesome to be a part of this. It's been a lifelong dream of mine to be on a pod. And here I am. And it's about something that I I know a little something about. So my mom was a special ed teacher back in the in the 70s and 80s. And so there was one thing I was certain I was never going to be it was a teacher or a special education teacher. And so um, that's obviously what happened to me as I became a special education teacher. <laughs> I worked in Rhode Island. I worked in Nebraska. Um, and after a, a year in South Sioux uh, Middle School, and then as the behavior teacher at ESU One at our Tower School facility, I moved into this role as the special education director at ESU One, located in Wakefield, Nebraska. And this is my 15th year that I'm just finishing up, and I am. I've been a part of SRS for most of that time. And so my background is really in working with kids with significant behavioral issues. So a lot of conflict resolution, a lot of relationship building, and uh, those things have application everywhere, but certainly in, in this administrative role that I'm in now. 
thanks for sharing the introduction. And I would say, you know, in education, we tend to have this sort of acronym alphabet soup sometimes where we get all of these different, you know, three letters this, four letters that. And so for someone who maybe uh, is not familiar with what SRS stands for and the role that that's played in Nebraska, Stuart, could you maybe start us off with a little bit of an explanation and the backstory behind that effort here in our state? Yeah, SRS with the student record system really began as a, uh, a vision by a collaboration between the Nebraska Department of Education and some ESU and district representatives who came together around about 2000 was when this was happening that people were starting to turn to computer programs in order to automate some of the things that we have to do in special education. At the time, there were still quite a few districts that were still using paper pencil IEPs. So everything was, there, it was a hard copy of everything. And uh, really we didn't have a lot of strong technology backbone uh, across our state or in our districts. And so there's quite a variance between districts and the visionaries at the time said, why don't we build something that would not just benefit one district, but all districts? That led to applying for some grant funds and getting the project off the ground with partners, like I said, from many districts, but also some ESUs that took the lead and said, we're willing to, to try this out and, and kind of go through the bumps and bruises and growing pains of having an automated system. What they knew for sure was everyone would benefit from this, from the department whose responsibility it is to review every district's forms every year. That would obviously be made easier because if everyone had the same forms, they would only have to review one set. To the districts who recognized, hey, if I've got an automated system, that's going to save me some time paperwork-wise. Record keeping, being able to hold on to things indefinitely if you have electronic versions. And then just everyone being able to stay in compliance with how the forms themselves are written and created. And so there was also then the idea that down the road, when students would transfer, and we do have quite a bit of transferring around our state, um, that students would come into your district and they would have a form that you would feel comfortable, you would be able to navigate, you would be able to seamlessly bring into your system. And for all those reasons, SRS was envisioned, was developed, and within just a few years uh, have really taken off. And um, over the time, over the last 20 years or so that it's been in existence, we've had up to all but five districts in our state using the same system. So thanks for sharing that. And one of the questions that I have is to say, okay, well, I know there are things like PowerSchool, for example, where you can log information in there. What is different about SRS that makes it maybe more appealing to a Nebraskan educator uh, by comparison? That's a great question, Andrew. And I think one of the strengths of SRS is that it has, as Michaela mentioned, an advisory committee. And that advisory committee consists of a representative from each of our regions within the state. So NCSA has five regions. And at the beginning of SRS, we knew that it was important to have input from users, and it was important to have input from large and small districts and from across the state. And that's the reason for the NCSA region representation. So Michaela, as a region two rep, maybe she could talk about how she operates in terms of you know, getting that information and sharing that with that group. 
Yeah, the advisory committee has, uh, I've actually been serving on it for eight years total. So when I was in Papillion La Vista, I was one of the members that was able to participate from a large district lens and then shifted into the region two rep. And really the, the idea from long ago was that that input and representation was there. So when and Andrew, I, I know you don't keep your, your finger on the pulse of everything special education, although you are doing a great job. You're learning all sorts of stuff. We There's always something changing. And so when we've got changes in the law that we then need to implement or we need to update what our forms look like for IEPs, we have the opportunity to discuss that. We take a look at what that means for Nebraska specifically, whether it's you know a federal law or a state law and how that's going to impact our forms. But that advisory team gets input from the region, from the users in the region, and then also has the opportunity to communicate out those kinds of things as well. So it's just a, a way to communicate with the users, both in and out, and, and to prioritize what work needs to be done. But, but just being able to work on things specific to Nebraska when those changes come up is so much different than working with one of those really large student information systems. Okay, so what I'm hearing here is that this is by Nebraskans, for Nebraskans, and in response to changes that are happening within our state and are going to reflect that and not necessarily just be this kind of cookie cutter, one size fits all national or international system, which, I mean, therein lies, yeah, that's a huge strength. And so I'm going to ask, I guess then, Mikhail, give me an example, I guess, like what are some changes going on in Nebraska right now, potentially um, with special education that would be things that this SRS system would have to be responsive to? Well, so one of the hot topics that's both on a national and statewide level important to special educators right now is post-secondary transition. We're consistently needing to look at the outcomes for individuals with disabilities and kids with disabilities after they graduate high school and or finish their program at age 21. And for a long time, we've been trying to improve those outcomes because unfortunately, they're not great. We frequently find there's less employment, there's less satisfaction, there's less training and education, and we want to make an impact and change the trajectory of that. So the key to that, and it's it happens to be required by law, is that we have a post-secondary transition plan for all kids. So there's been a lot of work going on and a lot of focus and energy placed into post-secondary transition. And then, Andrew, to top all of that off, recently in the state of Nebraska, LB 527 was passed. Because this is such a hot topic, the state of Nebraska felt like it was really important to start planning earlier for those post-secondary goals that, that our students have. And so they recently, just in May, they moved the age from 16, where it was required previously, to the age of 14. And so that actually takes effect this coming school year. So more kids are going to be needing to have those post-secondary transition plans than ever before. Gosh, and with those things being in play, what does that do then to your conversations with SRS, Stuart? Well, like anything that's impacting special education in the state, it comes up in our conversations at our advisory group meetings because we want to take a look to make sure that SRS is responsive to those changes and leading people towards compliance and better outcomes for kids. So it's a topic of conversation. And 
before that legislation was introduced was the desire to improve the type or the quality of the transition planning for students through the forum development. And so Michaela has done a tremendous amount of work on this. And it, I think it's a great example of how SRS advisory group operates when they're thinking about here's something that we could help improve and carefully thinking about how to do that and going in a step-by-step -step manner that leads to, I think, a really high quality product that is gonna benefit all special education teachers as well as students. Gosh, this just sounds like a story of preparedness meets opportunity, right? Where not only do you have the SRS like platform, but you're already having the conversation about these forms. And then for LB 527 to come along and say, hey, we're going to actually move this up uh, a couple years. And so really, yeah, it feels like there's some momentum that's coming around this. And Stuart, you alluded to that process there and what you just shared. Mikhail, do you have anything to kind of build upon that too, in terms of the, what goes into making these changes when we're talking about the conversations that where we're out really like what Stuart said, they were trying to be um, in compliance, but at the same time sensitive to kind of the boots on the ground understanding of what's best for kids. Right. SRS is really a tool that helps lead to better transition planning, like Stuart said, and then that transition plan, which is where it's documented. Because, I mean, I just want to point out that what we're doing with kids, that's the important part. But, you know, as special educators, this is our, this is our jam. We've got to document it. We got to make sure everybody knows the plan and is implementing the plan and that we can monitor the progress of the plan. So with that being said, we've been talking about this plan, the actual form for a long time and wanting to make some changes. It didn't, you know, it was created a while ago, but it wasn't really lining up with the, the indicators for post-secondary planning and what we know, those evidence-based practices, and then the things that were really ultimately required in the law. And so we have been looking at this for quite some time. There is a group of transition facilitators here in the state of Nebraska. There's a transition advisory. You know, there's a lot of folks that do a lot of really great work collaboratively across the state. And so they've been working on this too. You know, one of the things they did that we included as a part of this process was a review of transition plans from across the nation. It was so interesting to try to kind of take stock of, gosh, they have a section on transition assessments. We don't have that in ours right now. Uh, and just trying to figure out some of the pros and cons of the various forms that are used throughout the country. So we had members of the transition group from that statewide transition group who conducted that IP review. We have a lot of information from the National Center for Transition Assistance. So the NTACT is what the initials are, National Technical Assistance Center on Transition. They have a ton of resources about how you can improve your compliance and thus improve you know, the plans for kids and, and what happens for kids. So NDE has really been focusing on this issue. And so their file reviews as of late have all been actually focused all on transition. And so we had a lot of feedback from that information. So we started to kind of take all that and just put it together. And luckily the SRS advisory had said, yes, this is something we want to do. Let's put some folks on it. We started kind of synthesizing that information and putting together a draft that we thought better aligned with those, those indicators. 
So that was kind of the first part of that process. We also, you know, kicked it to several groups to kind of provide input and review of that plan. Um, we went through a pretty thorough legal review as well. We asked some attorneys to take a look at it, kind of provide some input, made some tweaks, and now it's in development. So we're really excited about just the process that's occurred because there's been a ton of input from various stakeholders, and we've used some really solid resources to help us create this updated plan. Awesome. Well, having incorporated so many different voices from the various stakeholder groups, uh, what are some of the like, key talking points then? So that those conversations obviously led to some of the changes that we're excited to share out today. So uh, if you could kind of talk us through a couple of those. Yeah, so I think users are going to find that we just have a more clear layout of what information needs to go in the plan and where it should go. So I think it's just a little bit more explicit. You know, there's always been this requirement that you have information about post-secondary transition in the present level section of the IEP, but, you know, we haven't ever had a place to put that that's very specific. And so we're looking at some improvements, some updates that we think are going to lead to better compliance. And again, just a better plan and planning for for post-secondary transition. So that, that'll be new to users. Um, the plan itself is going to have a, just a different flow, a different flavor, Andrew. It's going to be pretty student-centered. And so the very first question on that transition plan is, how did you gather the student's input and incorporate you know, what the student wants into this transition plan? And while all of our Nebraska educators were definitely doing that previous you know, we didn't have a place where we collected that information and kind of reviewed that during the meeting and, and then can refer back to it. So that, that'll be new. The, the other thing I think is, you know, just a simple but really key piece is that we didn't have a specific spot to document transition assessments. So it's required by law that at least one or more than one transition assessment is administered every single year for kiddos now 14 and older. And we didn't have a really specific spot that helped us document that. So we've updated that section. There is now a transition assessment section. So I think there's gonna be lots of people jumping for joy, knowing that there's gonna be a great place to document that information. And finally, you know, graduation is always a hot topic. And so there wasn't actually a section on the previous plan that allowed us to really have a meaningful conversation about graduation. And so that'll be kind of a new area as well. But really, we took IDEA, we put more explicit information in this plan, and we just think users are going to have a better opportunity to go through that form, know exactly what kind of information should be included. And again, just have a more clear plan that they can follow to, to really help kids meet those post-secondary outcomes that they have in mind. Yeah, I'd just add a couple of things to what Michaela said. When we're talking about a better plan, in part that is outcomes for kids, but it's also that we want the IEPs to pass a, a file review process by the state of Nebraska. And they, they're conducting that annually based on uh, data that they've received from districts to indicate whether or not their district would need additional, more intensive monitoring where they would look at the quality of the goals and the transition plan. 
And what we found and some of what has led to this work and it being a priority before LB 527 was that districts were getting feedback through that file review process that there were missing elements. And we decided as a advisory group that we needed to take this deep dive. Well, we sent Michaela on this deep dive with all her friends that she collaborated with to find the best way to set this form up so that it leads to that more compliant plan, a plan that has a likelihood to be found uh, to be in compliance. And Stuart, I love what you said earlier. I just want to echo that. I know the goal of SRS is to help our teachers create compliant plans, but ultimately we're looking for quality. And I think that's the other thing that I, I love. And so this really is intended to, to not only increase the likelihood that an, an IP or a transition plan would be in compliance, but it's going to lead to better planning and just a higher quality. That's, that's our hope. We really designed it with that in mind. And that makes me excited because there's a lot of folks out there doing great work, but just making sure it's documented and moving them in the right direction is, is I'm hopeful that that's what this is going to do. Yeah. Can I ask then, I guess what I'm hearing you say is that this is going to maybe ensure that the full breadth of what could be part of the conversations that go into an IEP gets addressed in some way, shape, or form where maybe before 95% of that, but there might be something that wasn't given as much attention where now there's a place to fill that out. And as such, the need to have facilitated some dialogue around that. Am I hearing that right? Yeah, that's absolutely true, Andrew. <laughs> It'd be great if we could write a prescription or a script that everybody could just follow and, and get everything into the IEP as well as it should be written uh, to ensure those outcomes. But the reality is every individual student is so unique, so different that to write that out would, would be a thousand pages and you still probably wouldn't cover every scenario. And so that's one of the challenges that we have when we're working on the system, SRS, is how do we lead people towards uh, those quality outcomes, uh, quality plans, and how do we make it still usable and not overwhelming to people? And so that making it intuitive, making it responsive, giving people what they want in terms of features, uh, that's always an ongoing conversation of the advisory group. Gosh, so much of that just even resonates with me from a professional development standpoint when we're talking about even teacher growth, right? That there's so much that you could potentially need as an educator or be seeking out as opportunities to grow from uh, that sometimes it's really tough to put together that not one size fits all model, but really creating a space for conversations that would make the opportunity for each person to get what they need to happen within some of those pockets. So uh, I love what I'm hearing here with all this. It's really great stuff. And I'm curious then to ask, since we're talking about professional development, what does this look like with regards to supporting teachers and, and how do you roll something like this out? Because obviously, if you're going to make changes like this, there's going to be the need for some onboarding. Yeah, Andrew, that's something SRS is really trying to get in front of with this change. And, and we're excited about what we have to offer. The news about this transition plan update is going to be new to some that are listening. So this is really important, but we want to make sure everybody knows we're going to have some training materials that are released 
updates and changes like this are always going to be best over the summer. And so we kind of had to figure out what kind of time and how intense this update would be. We're feeling really confident about their rollout for the new school year. And so with that being said, we have some materials that we want to make sure districts and ESUs have in their hands to support this new transition plan, this updated transition plan. It's going to, I think, be pretty user-friendly, but we're going to also make available a slide deck that directors can use. And then we're going to record some training sessions, just some shorter training series that kind of detail the, the changes and why just doing at least a little foundational information about the law and what we know quality transition plans look like. And so why some of the changes were made and then also detailing just almost line by line, what is going to be required in some of those. So, so that's going to be going on. And then I mentioned earlier, but NDE has placed transition facilitators regionally across the state. And so there are five transition facilitators who are going to, as always, be poised and ready to support their regions in technical assistance and training. And so I think just, you know, the other point I would make is that we want people to reach out to those transition facilitators. Their names and emails are located on the NDE website, but for each region, there's going to be additional trainings that I know that those facilitators would be able to assist with. So, Stuart, did you have anything to... I was going to say something like, yeah, one thing we always say at advisory meetings is, well, it's a training issue. And so a form can't always fix, or it can't be so overly complicated and convoluted that it answers all those questions. And so many times what we talk about is that's an area that as directors, we need to promote that need training. And so what Michaela's describing is kind of in response to that, it's, well, what do directors need? Because in our small schools, it's probably the ESU director. Uh, it's something that's happening regionally, but in Papillion, it's going to be their special ed director that is making sure that that's ready to go. Well, how do we help both situations. And so slide decks are great because now if I'm doing a regional training, I can pull those out and I can customize it or fold it into something that I'm already doing with my area special education teachers. And if it's a large district that wants to do it, they can do likewise. But then we have those people that are kind of in the middle or they're sort of on their own and they prefer to not participate in, in something like that, well, they can just grab those on-demand videos that are you know, very targeted and succinct that gives the people the, the guidance that they need sort of in the moment, if that's how they choose to go about it. Well, everything from the responsiveness to the things that are going on within special education, Nebraska, and the legislature, but also thinking about that same level of responsiveness with regards to supports there, as you're talking about with our small schools all the way to our larger districts. And uh, uh, I just love that. I love that in education when things are a little bit more customized, personalized, it's kind of my jam. And I'm just uh, really encouraged by hearing all that today and excited for, that we've gotten a chance to share some of this out. And so uh, I share each and every week that 30 minutes goes incredibly fast. So I'm going to ask, what have I not asked or what have we not covered that you think would be really important as kind of a closing thought? As we're having this conversation, Andrew, and I'm thinking back over the 15 years that I've been involved with SRS and how much technology in general has evolved, how rapidly 
those changes have come and how challenging it can be to keep up with those. I'm also encouraged because SRS has not lagged behind. It continues to be responsive and it continues to develop a tool, as Michaela said, to assist our our special education teachers and to impact the lives of kids with disabilities. And I'm proud to be a part of it. And I'm thinking about the next 15 years and I'm thinking, I think we're poised to continue on that path, but those changes are gonna be coming more rapidly. And so I'm both terrified and excited by that, how quickly we might adapt and adopt new technologies, new features, but also, wow, what a, what a lot of work that is going to be in order to stay ahead of the curve. Love that forward thinking uh, lens there with it. And so, uh, Michaela? Yeah, the only thing I would just piggybacking on what Stuart said, I've used IEP systems in other states, also other systems here in Nebraska, and the ability for SRS to customize and to make changes based on our needs. I mean, I just, it's hard to match the responsiveness that SRS has the capabilities of doing. And, you know, we've had ups and downs. Technology doesn't work always the way that we want it to work. But at the same time, I'm with Stuart. I'm optimistic about the opportunities that we have. And this, I think, is a prime example. You know, the transition plan being updated, the mountains that would have to be moved to update a transition plan on maybe a larger templated system that's, you know, attached to a student information system, it would be really difficult. And, and with this, we were not only to get lots of input, get lots of feedback from various groups and experts, but then we've been able to make it work and to kind of put something out that we think is going to be really specific to what our Nebraska kids need. And ultimately the goal of SRS was to make life a little easier on our special educators who were writing, you know, eight copies of an IEP by hand uh, for 30 kids each year, right? Like the whole idea is to make this easier for our special educators so they have more time to work with our kids and to love on our, our kids with, with disabilities throughout the state. So I'm optimistic about it and I'm, I'm really looking forward to bigger and better things. Well, I got to say, thank you both for your leadership, for what I can hear in, in both of your closing remarks, your big hearts for this work uh, and for the kiddos that it serves. And that's so true of the two of you, I can tell, and, and of all of us in our ESU network and how much we just uh, show up every day to try to move education forward on behalf of our Nebraska kiddos. And so uh, thank you for your time and for being on the podcast today. And I hope this message yeah, reaches so many people so they can kind of know some of the backstory of the work that's going on and, and can hopefully look into SRS and make sure that that's in place to support their special education students within their district. So thank you both. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being a part of this. And I'm so thankful for the work that you're doing. Getting this information out to people is a tremendous help. So thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. It's been fun. Yep. Yeah.